<clears throat> so I'm, I'm hoping people came with questions because this well, this session will be as long as it, as uh, people have questions. Um, and if we don't have questions, it's going to be incredibly short. I'll, I'll, I can talk a few things out, but um, broadly speaking, if there are no questions, it's going to be incredibly short. So, give me two six. All right, let me just, I'm just trying to zoom. All right. So shoot, I'm gonna I'm gonna just give you like two three more things, uh, two three uh, ideas that um, that are, are questions that come up every Pesach, and hopefully I'll just be able to nip them in the bud um, before things because uh, these are questions that come up every year. One of the questions that comes every year is regarding things like can I buy during Pesach? So a lot of things that it says you should buy them before Pesach. What happens if I don't buy them before Pesach? Classical is uh, is milk. It says you should purchase all the milk before Pesach. So just understand the, how they think. So I think it's milk with butter, a few like generic products that you don't have to buy specifically kasher for Pesach. So there's a rule in, uh, in kasher in general, which is that when you have something non-kosher uh, fall into something that is kosher, as long as you've got more than 60 parts kosher to not kosher, the non-kosher thing would be considered insignificant. So if I were to have a thing of chicken soup and a drop of milk falls into it. As long as it's 60 parts chicken soup to one part milk, there's not a problem. Okay, that is the general rule throughout all of Kashrut. One of the exceptions to the rule is with regards to chametz. Chametz we are exceptionally stringent regarding, and therefore, with regards to chametz, if it is um, even a, a, a drop, even a crumb of chametz falls into something on Pesach, so the whole thing becomes non-kosher. However, when it's not Pesach, so let's just say I have a, a vat of chicken soup and accidentally a crumb of Pesach, as I'm preparing my chicken soup on Erev Pesach, and a crumb, something non-kashla Pesach, falls into my chametz, theoretically, it would be, butter would be nullified 60 to 1 because it is not Pesach. But if it falls on Pesach, so then it doesn't, it's not nullified. So therefore, with things like milk, and we generally know there's no chametz in them whatsoever. However, it's possible that maybe something stick got involved in some way or another. So therefore, if we buy it before Pesach, where there's no prohibition of chametz, it'll be completely permissible on Pesach. However, if you if you were to buy it on Pesach itself, it might be a problem. That is a stringency. These things shouldn't have any chametz in them whatsoever. So therefore, if for one reason or another, it turns out that uh, you've run out of milk, you've run out of eggs, you've run out of butter, whatever the case might be, it is perfectly permissible to purchase more on Pesach. Okay, that is uh, one stock standard question that comes up every single Pesach. Um, a few other questions that might come up with regards to kashering, can you kasher things during Pesach? We generally do. If something goes wrong on Pesach, you can kasher. Chabad have a stringency to not kasher things during Pesach and the like. All right, we do have a little bit of a crowd here, over here. So if you would like to put your hand up or, and, or if you'd just like to unmute yourself and ask a question, if you put your camera on, it would be even better so I can see who I'm speaking to. Otherwise, if you don't feel comfortable, you can just private message and we can deal with the questions. So I open the floor to Q&As on anything Pesach related. Don't all jump out at once. Okay. 
It's going to be a very, it's going to be the shortest shear in the history of Kilat Masada. All right, so I have a question coming from my kitchen. Can you have Knaidlach Friday night? So one of the things that uh, there's a, a, a custom that has developed um, in that we do not eat chametz or matzah. It's not a custom. This is a halacha. We do not eat chametz or matzah erev Pesach from the from uh, the eleven from the fifth hour. So from eleven a.m. onwards, or from uh, eleven onwards, we don't eat. From twelve p.m. is prohibitive. So from eleven a.m. onwards on Saturday, we do not eat anything that is chametz, and we do not eat anything that is matzah. That is where the prohibition is. However, that being said, is before then. There is no prohibition of eating chametz or matzah. Now, certain communities have, have, have a custom that they don't eat matzah for the entire month leading up or the week of or the day of, but there is no prohibition of eating chametz or sorry, of eating matzah before um, 11 a.m. on Saturday. So the question that was asked by Tamar is, can we have knedlach on Friday night? So two things. Number one, the prohibition of eating chametz is uh, of eating matzah is something that you can fulfill the mitzvah at the seder with. So you can't eat mamish matzah, you know, shmura matzah that you eat at the seder. That you can't eat on a Shabbat afternoon. However, regular chametz, a regular matzah, or, or other forms of matzah, it shouldn't be a, that much of an issue. Now, definitely, you cannot fulfill the mitzvah with knedlach. Everyone would agree you cannot fulfill the mitzvah with knedlach. So therefore, it would be permissible the night before to eat knedlach. Some people would have the custom not to, but there wouldn't be any issue of eating knedlach. Something's gone wrong with my camera. It's just one very little all of a sudden. Yeah, let me try. So my apologies. I think my kid is it. Yeah. Sorry, I hope that's a little bit better. Okay, so that's the knedlach question. I don't think it's about can we eat pumpkin seeds on Pesach? Why can't we eat pumpkin seeds on Pesach and yet we can eat pumpkin? I don't know. Can we not eat pumpkin seeds? I don't know we can't eat pumpkin seeds or pumpkin seeds kidney out. Uh, um, I don't know the answer to the question. That's a that's a good question. Um, I'm not aware. The, the, the rule of kidney oat is things that are have been that are used. In a way that is similar to regular, you know, chametz materials, so like flour. So when something is made of, um, of of wheat flour or barley flour, and something is used in a very similar way, so then we don't uh, we don't use it. So that's why rice is prohibited. Interesting enough, potatoes is one of the interesting questions. That why are potatoes not kidneyot because potato flour really can function like flour. So a lot of questions have come up, but that's why corn become kidneyot and many of those things. So I don't know where pumpkin seeds fall into that. I've never really had the question beforehand because it would be hard to believe that um, you can not have pumpkin seeds. So I tell you what, I'm going to I'm going to Google and find this because I if if you I I will believe you in telling when you tell me that it is uh, kidneyot, but um, I, I'm not aware of it. Uh, so I'm just here. Yeah. Yeah. So some say some have come. Yeah. Some say that it is kidney oat. Okay. I don't know. First, I've heard of that. Never had the issue before. If you have a slow cooker and you're not used it over a year, can you use it for Pesach? It has only been used with a liner. So the general rule of kashering, 
<coughs> is if something hasn't been used, there's certain things that you can always kasha. So you can always kasha metal in some form of how you kasha it. So some things you can boil, some things you need to use a blowtorch, but those things you can kasha. Things that are ceramic become a little bit more problematic because in order to, to, to kasha them, you ordinarily need to put them in a kiln on a very high temperature. We do have a, a leniency with regards to something that has not been used in 12 months. In which case, if it hasn't been used 12 months, we consider that all food that might have been in there is considered nullified, but the custom is still to boil it afterwards. So, so theoretically, if it's not been used in 12 months, just do boiling like we did in uh, shul last week, and that should be sufficient to use for Pesach. Can use fish from a fish market skin on skin off. Okay, so this, I don't see any reason. Okay, things we're going to have to appreciate. People like to be stringent around Pesach because we are we're trying to be very stringent around Hametz. Um, it doesn't mean that we need to go completely crazy, but that does mean that there's this element that we try to be stringent around Pesach. So it's sort of where does that, where's that line between being crazy and just being stringent with regards to Pesach? So what is the rules with regards to buying fish in general? So I'm just going to ignore for a second the Kashrut Authority's guidelines and just give the rule. The rule of fish is that as long as you know that it is a kosher fish, since fish do not need to be shechted, as long as you know that the fish that you are buying is a kosher fish, so then you can buy it from wherever you want. That being said, there's always going to be a concern that the knife used to cut your fish has been used to cut other non-kosher species. So therefore, since it's all cold, what you need to do is you need to rinse off the fish before using it. That is the general rule. So if you know for certain this is a kosher species and, then, and you buy it from a non-kosher uh, fishmonger, so then just you've got to rinse it off. question is, does this need to change around Pesach? Do we need to be more stringent? So obviously there are people who are more stringent, but theoretically, why would one need to be more stringent in this regard? There's no, no serious concern of chametz around, uh, I would like to think around fishmongers at least around fish. So if you buy, for example, if you go to Coles and you buy the pre-packaged fresh salmon, I assume it's fresh, but the pre-packaged salmon. So there's no reason to think that there's chametz that has come into contact with this. So therefore, if you want to go, you know, beyond the level, or buy it before Pesach, and you definitely don't have an issue. But even if you buy it on Pesach, I don't see why there should be any issue with regards to this. Rinse it off before you use it, but then I, I don't see why there should be any issue with regards to it. This is not something that uh, that finds itself around Hamid. Now, amongst other things that um, you know we're, we're talking tonight, what about like the scoop and mix? So at uh, at Coles, they've got these uh, these things these things where you can go with a little um, shovel and you can scoop. And there's a lot of stuff that's kosher there. Now, raw nuts, broadly speaking, are are kosher. Kosher le pesach. There's nothing wrong. A raw nut is no different to buying an apple, but Maybe the scoop that you're using to scoop up your raw almonds was used to scoop up some chametz sticker thing somewhere else. Do we need to be concerned about that? So I don't think you need to be concerned about that, especially considering that each scoop has its own little tub and it goes into its own specific areas. There's no reason to think that the scoop you're using is going to be used for something else. That being said, if you want to be stringent, you should be stringent. And, and, and I think the key is that going crazy I think we have to be a little bit more tolerant with people before we start saying that they're crazy. There's a stringency. People like to be stringent on Pesach. Nothing wrong with being stringent. But do you have to be? I think there are many other areas that you can be stringent in. Yeah. Can you use the bags of 100% frozen fruit 
from the supermarkets on Pesach. Um, I don't see why it should be any different. If, if assuming that the, the, I know that all the frozen, and, and truth be told, I don't know what the Kashrut authority stand is on these things, but um, I know that with a lot of the frozen vegetables, um, they are pretty much okay. So I don't see why they should be any different, assuming that the only ingredients, if you buy them frozen pineapple, if the only ingredient is it is frozen pineapple, I'm not sure why there should be any difference regarding it. I, I can't see where there would be any real chametzic concerns that you would need to be worried about. Again, if you if you you know you buy them before Pesach, definitely there wouldn't be any reason to be concerned. But I think even if you don't buy it on Pesach, before Pesach, I don't think there's anything to be concerned about. Again, we have to the things we need to be concerned about are things that we don't know how they prepared. So, for example, one of the areas where wherever you're going to have some form of manufacturing, there's going to be more concerns. So that's where like dried fruit, that be very stringent on dried fruit, too, that you can't just buy dried fruit. You actually got to know others got to have a hash show, you got to know it's been checked. So there are a number of brands of Australian dried fruit that even though they're not um per se, meaning that they, they don't have a Kashrut authority uh, inspector, but they know it's in Angus Park and certain Sunbeam stuff is fine. So that stuff has been checked out. There's no Khamsik. But um, you buy dates from some say, oh, what, what could be it? You read the instruction, you read the ingredients, and there's nothing used, and so it should be fine. Now, as soon as you've got some form of manufacturing in, then you've got to be concerned. But if there's no manufacturing, then literally it's like a, it's fruit. So another thing, you want to buy uh, chopped uh, watermelon. So one of the um, fantastic benefits that we have about living in a country that has so many rules regarding fruit preparation is the fact that knives in, in, in by law, knives that are used to cut fruit and vegetables and meat and fish and cheese and other cannot be, you know, they cannot be used for other things. So the knife that has been used to cut the watermelon at Coles is only used to cut watermelon and perhaps other fruits and vegetables. It is not used to cut the meat. It's not used to cut the fish. So you don't have any of those concerns regarding those particular things. So there's a lot of leniencies with regards to this. So can you buy chopped up uh, watermelon at uh, Coles? Absolutely, you can buy a chopped up watermelon. Take it a step further. Can you buy a fruit salad from, um, from Coles or fruit salad from Harris Farm? So if, okay, Often fruit salads have a lot of other stuff put in. They have juices and, 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 and the like, and there's certain parts of them. But if it's just fruit and vegetables, whatever, and it's cut up, there shouldn't be any reason. See? Um, for example, if you want to order, I'll give you some other examples. You want to order um, uh, sliced cabbage. So we, we, we put in an order to buy certain sliced vegetables that, you know, sliced onions, sliced cabbage, sliced whatever. Do, you know, does it or peeled pumpkin like do you have to, you know, does it have to have a hersha? There's no reason that it would have to have hersha. All it is is a vegetable. There's nothing else in it. What could there be in it? As soon as it's got something in it, then you've got a concern. But if there's nothing else other than raw fruit vegetable, there's nothing to be concerned about. Okay. Question is we're staying in a hotel and we're bringing a cooler bag with our Pacific yogurts and cheeses. Do we need to keep it in our cooler bag? Or is there anything we can do to be able to use the hotel fridge? Um, there's absolutely no reason to not use the hotel fridge. So when it comes to, to clean, I remember as a kid, we used to clean, uh, we used to clean, my mom used to clean the, the, the pantry and then they put lining down in the pantry and then in the fridge and then there'd be lining down in the fridge that you shouldn't come into contact. Now, I don't know if you've noticed that when you go to Coles, there's no lining in the fridges there. 
or on the shelves. So whatever they're doing in the so if if somehow you're concerned that 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 by putting your your thing in your fridge is going to the chametz that was there before is going to so therefore it was chafed before you even bought it because they're coals they didn't do that before. So there's really no need to do that. People again, people want to be stringent. There's nothing wrong with being stringent, but do you have to? No, absolutely not. You can definitely put your stuff on all the shelves in the fridge. Not a not a problem whatsoever. Okay. All right, which parts of the Magid can you skip when doing a Seder with small kids? Okay, so um, <clears throat> this question is a little bit more complex this year than on, an, on a regular year because this year the Pesach falls on a Motzei Shabbat means that it becomes much more of an issue of starting the Seder on Shabbat. So I'm happy to give the answer in a, in a regular year. This year is going to become a little bit more complex. And so... Let's just go through um, as best as we can. Because Seder falls on a Motzei Shabbat, ideally we should not make Kiddush before about 7.30, which is the time that Shabbat comes out. That's the ideal. Worst case scenario, if you can make Kiddush after 7, that should be the best. If, you're, if you have little kids and little, you know, little can mean lots of different things. You've got a bunch of three-year-olds, four-year-olds. So then sing all the songs that, that you, and all the like, beforehand that is definitely preferable and then you can do the most important parts of the cider so if you've got a pen by you if you don't have a pen uh, the recording will be on facebook or on on the podcast tomorrow but just to give you a bit of a uh, the, the the cliff notes of what has to be said in the cider and this is assuming that we're starting at the right time so firstly you should do every aspect of the cider you should do all of those parts but once you get to the magid which is the question the Magid. So, Manishtana, crucial. Um, but not the, just Avadimayinu all the way until the, the story of the rabbis. You don't have to tell the stories of the rabbis. Then you need to do Mitchilat of Yuvotena. Our forefathers were, um, forefathers were slaves in the land of Israel. And now we've become, think, they become, um, now Hashem's taken us to, uh, to his service which is around uh, just before Vihisha Amda. You can skip the four sons. All the good stuff that you're going to want to do, you chance are going to have to, you can skip. So you can skip the four sons. You can skip Dayainu. Um, but the things that you definitely need, so is the, those Manishtana, Avadima, you know, our forefathers were idol worshippers. Then the four verses that talk that Aramio Vedavi, that our forefather Aramian, that Laban tried to destroy, and they went down to Egypt, and then we were made slaves there, and then we cried out to Hashem, and then Hashem took us out the signs and wonders. You don't necessarily have to go through every verse with all the details, but those four verses that tell in a very broad, not very broad, in a very summarized version, the entire Egypt story. So those you need to sell. And then finally, the Rabban Gamliel of the three things we got to say, Pesach Matzah and Maror. And the like. So those that's like the bridge. You can leave out the four sons. You can leave out the rabbis in the neighborhood. You can leave out the ten plagues, which I imagine if you've got small kids, you're not going to leave them out. But you could potentially leave out the ten plagues. But you can definitely leave out of how many plagues were at the sea and how many plagues were in Egypt. Far, you know, it'll be 10, 50, or 100, or 200, 250, whatever. You can leave that whole bit out. You know, you can, uh, so not Avadima, you know, um, yeah, for Hisha'amda, you can leave out. So lots of those sort of parts. So if, uh, I know that I've just sort of like run through them, but if there are any other questions, then yeah. 
Um, if you can buy raw nuts, could you buy slivered almonds? So I don't know what level of processing happens and what else is processed. So when you, again, when we talked about, you know, buying a watermelon, so watermelon is some guy sitting with a knife that chops the knife and what's on the, on the, on the, on the cutting board where he's chopping the watermelon, fruits and vegetables and nothing else. That is what's how it's done. With regards to slivered almonds, it's not some guy cutting it up. It's being put through some form of processing in, in a machine. I don't know what else goes in that machine. And that's where the problem is going to come up. So I imagine that that sort of thing is not, you know, would, would have to be uh, approved um, in order to ensure that there's nothing else happening in the processing of that particular thing. So I don't want to, I cannot say, if someone said I've used slivered almonds, I, I don't think you can say, well, you know, it's not on the list. And, and that's, a, I suppose, an interesting point. Just because something's not on the list doesn't make it chametz. Tell an interesting story that took place a few years ago. So I was up at the shops and um, we couldn't find oil. Uh, we couldn't find oil. There wasn't oil. It was about probably five, six, seven, eight years ago. I couldn't find oil. And I bumped into someone and they said, ah, oh, didn't you know that the cultural authority says it, uh, that I thought they said, all olive oil is fine. You can use all olive oil. Now, apparently, it's all virgin olive oil, but I heard all olive oil. So they're great. So I went and bought olive oil. I didn't check the book. I didn't win. I just went on this person's word. I bought olive oil. And lo and behold, I went and cooked my entire Pesach. And then dawned on me, I don't know, Erev Pesach, that uh, this was not the case, that regular olive oil needed to be hershed. Um and I went and I called Rabbi Gutnik and I said, okay, what do I do now? So not only is my food for, for the Seder in trouble, but my entire kitchen potentially is chametz. And Rabbi Gutnik said to me, it's fine. It's all fine. Meaning as follows, that there are things that are not hechshed, but it does not mean they're chametz. It just means we stay away from them because we don't know. But by all the general rules of, 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 of Jewish law is that this isn't chametz. It's definitely not chametz. But we try not to use it because we try to use something that's super fast. You don't have an alternative. So it's fine. If so facto, it's already happened. It's fine. So again, if someone serves you slivered almonds, you know, unless you know for a fact that these are chametz sticker slivered almonds, so it's fine. But should you buy them? I, I think you should you should only buy things that are that if they have had any level of processing associated with it. Um then I think you should uh, you should get them hashed. Okay. Any other questions? You can unmute yourselves as well if you want to ask the question verbally. Any going? Come on, it's only eight twenty three. <laughs> okay, going once. Going twice. All right. I assume that all our questions have been answered or if so. Um, thank you. Tamara has asked me a question. She wants to know if I will be doing the cooking for Pesach this year, which I, I will be doing. So thank you very much. It's uh, everybody. It's uh, Please, God, I'll see you all on Yontif um, and have a wonderful, wonderful evening. And should, uh, please, God, you should have a very good, meaningful side this year. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks so much.